Education Singapore podcast. We are starting the month of December, and in December, it means Christmas is around the corner. You know, with this word Christmas or Christmas is coming, I'm just wondering what comes to mind when you think about Christmas. It is, is it about the gifts that you got to buy or the gifts that you hope to receive? Is it about all the various gatherings that you're going to have? Or maybe it's about the Christmas lights that is going to be at Orchard Road whereby we, you can walk down and enjoy it. Or maybe for some of us, this Christmas is not something that you're looking forward to. Maybe because there is a loss, a loss maybe even of a loved one, that this Christmas may feel different. A loss of financial or material blessings. And so this Christmas may feel very different. And with all the things that's taking place around the world, you know, the real question is, is there still a reason to celebrate Christmas? And so in the next couple of weeks, our hearts is that you can be encouraged and strengthened in your faith to embrace the spirit and significance of Christmas once again. About a God who loves us so much that He gave His all, He sent His Son to come so that we can be redeemed, so that our hope can be restored in Him. Well, so this is the start of our December series and it's going to be about Christmas in that sense. We're going to be drawing out different stories, accounts from Scripture about Christmas so that hope can be restored within us. Well, the title of the sharing or the meditation upon the Word for us today is this. Losers, hopers, and risk-takers. Losers, hopers, and risk-takers. There will be losers. There are losers in the first Christmas and there will be losers even in this Christmas. There will be hopers and hopefully, no pun intended, really hopefully there's such a word. Someone that has hope is a hoper and if you have many of these, then they are hopers. There were hopers in the first Christmas ever and in this coming Christmas, will there be hopers and also there are risk takers in the first Christmas and this Christmas that's coming, will there be risk takers? Losers, hopers and risk takers. We pick up a story, a familiar one in Matthew chapter 2. It says here, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. In verse 3, it tells us this, that King Herod, when he heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Well, if you are King Herod, likely you'll be disturbed as well because there's another king coming. Why didn't I know about this? Is this going to be a friendly king coming? Or is it going to be a hostile takeover? Is my position going to be challenged? King Herod, certainly, the current king was disturbed. And it also says that all of Jerusalem around him was also disturbed. Well, uh, interesting, isn't it? It's not because that King Herod was such a great king. It's just that if there's a new king that's going to come, then there's a question mark. Who is this king? Will this king be a good king or a bad king? Will this king be a better king than King Herod or a worse one? If a king is coming, will there be a war? A force who take over? Nobody knows. So everybody was disturbed. And then so this King Herod, what he did was he called together all the peoples the chief priests and teachers of the law, and he asked them where the Messiah, where the Savior was to be born. Now notice this, in the very next two verses, this chief priest, teachers of the law, responded quickly. They were able to tell King Herod the answer. 
It says here, in Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet was, has written, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And the chief priests, the teachers of the law, were quoting from the book of Micah, written a couple, a couple of hundred years ago. Well, they knew this. They knew that Jesus, a savior, a new ruler, was coming. The thing was this, they knew it, but they did nothing about it. And they missed one of the most significant events in the history of mankind, the birth of Jesus, the, the birth of a savior. They missed it entirely. And even after this, if you follow the story, they didn't even follow the Magi to look for Jesus. The losers. Who are the losers? Simply this, those who knew but missed out. Those who had understanding, those who had already uh, knowledge of, of things to come, but they missed out. What makes one a loser? None of us like to be a loser, isn't it? None of us like to miss out. But what made this people miss out? The chief priests, the teachers of the law, they knew. They knew Jesus was coming, but they totally missed it out. Number one would be this. They focus more on knowing about God, about Jesus, rather than knowing Jesus, knowing Jesus in a personal way. You know, in this day and age, you can know a lot about someone just by getting online and Googling and searching. You can know a lot about anyone out there. But to know someone personally and intimately is a totally different thing. In Matthew 7, 21, it says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles where you can know a, a lot about God, about the things of God, even do things for God. But Jesus' response was this, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. This word knew speaks of a personal and intimate relationship with God a personal and intimate relationship with Jesus. The losers, the ones who knew and missed out, were more focused on knowing about Jesus as compared to knowing who Jesus is personally, intimately. Next is this, they will also focus more on the temporal versus the, the eternal. They will focus more about tomorrow rather than for all of eternity. Right? Jesus encourages us not to worry about tomorrow. Why? Because he's telling us to focus more on the eternal. Matthew 6, 19 says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. Do not store up for yourselves treasures here, right? Thieves can break in and steal it. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Well, now, maybe... We can store up our treasures with crypto, right? Blockchain technology. We store it there. But guess what? Even over there, it can be taken. It can be stolen away. It can be lost. Even recently, uh, I guess we were heard of uh, the bankruptcy of a particular crypto exchange and people lost lots of money. In fact, there was a total wipe of billions of dollars. Even Tomasic Holdings lost a couple hundred million dollars. They have to write it down. Well, then maybe we shouldn't go that way. We should store 
our treasures in the vault, right? Safer, right? During the pandemic, I think in 2020, there was a case in Germany whereby thieves broke in, literally, they, some, okay, they didn't, probably didn't carry guns, but they, literally they broke into a physical vault and took millions of euro dollars away. Well, in Matthew 6, 21, it says here, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where are you storing your treasures? Is it in heaven? Or is it in a vault on earth? Is it in somewhere in the cloud somewhere? Well, there's only, I guess, one thing we can bring with us and store tr as treasure in heaven. And those are the people whom you will share about the goodness of Jesus. The message of Christmas, Jesus coming as a saviour, and if they say yes to Jesus, these are the people that will join us, join you in heaven. That is the treasure that will never be taken away. Losers, those who knew it, about it, but missed out. They will focus more about knowing about Jesus compared to knowing Him. They will focus more on the temporal than the eternal. And they will also focus on the external versus the internal. More on the outside rather than the inside. In Matthew 23, we find that Jesus... Well, he had seven woes, W-O-E-S, seven woes that he met, he, that he spoke about, spoke against, spoke to the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. And this is one of them. He calls them hypocrites. Wow. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but the, on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. You know, I, to today, I think I've never seen maybe a pastor or preacher call his members hypocrites whitewashed tombs because if you do it, nobody will be around anymore, but that's not Jesus. He speaks the truth and in love. He goes on to say that in the same way on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Right? Outside and inside, the contrast that Jesus was talking about. What are we more concerned about? If we are a cup, are we more concerned of the external looking nice and clean on the outside and even maybe a little bit hot, right? Or the question is, what does our inside look like? What is our focus upon? In order not to be a loser, well, focus more on the internal rather than the external. The losers are the ones who knew about it, but they missed out on the fullness of the goodness, of the grace, of the love, the mercies and the blessings of God. Well, then they're also the hopers. And like I said earlier, hopefully this is an actual word, right? The people who continue to put their faith and trust in God, who continue to wait expectantly and wait patiently. These are the ones who knew and continue to wait in faith expectantly. In Luke 2.21, it tells us that on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. And you know, I've heard of many, many people who took time and sought God for the name of their baby and God in a supernatural way spoke to them about this is the name of your child. And I think that's so important because this is where God gives your child a name and that is the name that, that, that shapes the identity, the purpose of your child. And with Jesus, it was the same. Right, Joseph and Mary's parents gave him the name of Jesus because it was downloaded from God. Verse 22 says this, When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now, after eight days, 
right? He got circumcised and this is after another 33 days. So in a total of 40 days from the time Jesus was born, the parents brought him to the temple for this rites. Right? As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. This is Joseph and Mary responding in faith, in obedience to what God says that, hey, after 40 days, bring your first male born, bring your child and dedicate this child as unto God. And verse 24, it tells us, and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. This, all this you can find if you read the book of Leviticus. And over there at the temple, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Jesus and the Holy Spirit was on him. This word consolation is from this uh, word paraklesis. Hopefully I'm pronouncing it right. It means comfort. And the, this is one of many who was waiting, waiting for the comfort, the consolation of Jesus. And basically this is the hope that they had that God would come to rescue them and bring comfort to his people. Because at that time, right, in the first Christmas, it was not an easy time for the people who believed in God. It wasn't an easy, easy time. They were holding on to this hope, the hopers, that God would come and bring comfort and rescue them. And you know, Jesus was born, lived on this earth for 33 years. He died, he rose again. Alright, and he went back to the Father. Before he left, he's telling his followers to say that I need to go because I, if I do not go, the Father cannot send the Holy Spirit or the Comforter. This word, paraclesis, basically means close beside you. Guess what? Now for all of us, we have this benefit of having the Comforter directly with us. Alright, and it goes on to say about Simeon that Simeon says that it has been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he will not die before he has seen the Lord's Messiah. And this speaks of this speaks of God being a promise keeper, one that keeps his promise that it will take place, that God speaks, has spoken of sending a comforter, sending a savior, a redeemer. And then now to Simeon specifically, that hey, he will not see death until he sees Jesus. All right, and then he prays this prayer. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. Now notice this, a light for revelations to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel, which means this, Jesus came for everybody in the world, not just the Jews. The Gentiles refers to everyone else in the world. That's who Jesus came for. Well, the hopers, are the ones that who knew and they continue to wait expectantly in faith. And in so doing, the hopers are the ones that will experience and see the God of perfect timing or the God of complete timing. In Galatians 4, verse 4 and 5, it says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. When the fullness of time. Now, time can be described as chronos or chronolog, the actual, actual time right now, right? Or time can also be described as kairos, as the opportune time. This is the opportune moment. This is the time that you need to seize the day. Or over here now, it speaks of the fullness of time, pleroma. That means the completion of time. When the completion of time comes, Jesus came. Time, right? There is actual time, 
moment of opportunity or the fullness of time, the completion of time. At the completion of time, Jesus came. At the fullness of time, Jesus did say that he's coming again and he is coming again. The real question is, well, are we ready? The time is ticking. Right? There will be a completion of time whereby Jesus will come again according to what he has spoken. The hopers are those who knew and continue to wait expectantly in faith and they will see and they have seen a God of perfect timing, a God of complete timing. Also, they will see a God as a promise keeper. Right? God spoke about him coming and he kept his promise and Jesus came. Right, you know, uh, at the recording of this message, my wife and I uh, are celebrating our 25th uh, anniversary, 25 years together. In fact, uh, from the time we get on together, uh, we were talking about this, it's been 32 years. And through these 32 years, we have seen God being a promise keeper, that everything that He mentioned in Scripture, He is a promise keeper. At the perfect timing, God brings His promise to us. And the greatest promise is this. This is Deuteronomy 31 verse 8. This is Moses talking to Joshua, the young leader, encouraging him to rise up. In fact, this is the second mention of this kind of like exact same statement. And, and Moses to Joshua saying this, The Lord Himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. In fact, in Hebrews, it quotes this verse that God goes before us, right? He's ahead of us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. And my wife and I, we've seen this promise to be true that, that in everything that we face, we, God has gone ahead of us and He has never left us. He has never forsaken us. God is the promise keeper for the hopers who knew it and they continue to wait. If you're still waiting for a promise to come, continue to wait expectantly and in faith because God is a promise keeper. And lastly, the hopers will see that actually God is the one that's patiently waiting for us. In 2 Peter uh, 3 verse 9, it says here, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That is the heart of God. If you're watching this right now, God is patiently waiting for you to come and embrace this promise of a Savior, this promise of redemption or restoration. And that leads me to my last group of people, the risk takers. What are the risk takers? Those who had a maybe and took a risk. Right? Those are risk takers, isn't it? You kind of like, maybe this might be good for me. And then you go and take Arrest. Reading again verses that I, I brought up earlier, this is Jesus. This is Jesus born in Bethlehem, right in Judea during the time of King Herod. Magi, right, came from the east. That means Magi came from far away, right, to come and they were asking this question Where is the one who's born King of the Jews? This Magi came from far away, from a far distance. They are foreigners. They're coming into a culture that's totally different from them, right? The risk takers, right, those who had a maybe and just took a risk. Well, some of you, maybe you feel that, hey, this whole thing about Christianity, Jesus feels a little bit too far away. I don't think I can reach this. Well, the Magi didn't let them hold them back. They took a risk and said that, yeah, it feels far away, but it's not too far away. I'm still coming. 
You know, the Bible has the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the New Testament Bible, there are 27 uh, books in it. Uh, some, somewhere about 13 books is written by this man, Paul, which means Paul wrote about close to 50% of the New Testament, just based on the number of the books. All right, And Paul, this man, guess what? If you were to knew him, if you all knew him then, this will be a man that will be considered too far away to come to know Jesus, too far away to come into the family of believers of Christians because this man was anti-Christ, anti-Jesus. He was against it. Not only that, I think we would term him as an activist against Christianity. But, well, guess what? God still reached him because simply because no one is too far away to be reached by God. And then this man turned around and in the end he wrote about 50% of the New Testament. All right, Christians all over the world are now reading this and drawing strength and encouragement from this. In 1 Timothy 1.15, it says here, this is Paul saying, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. This is Paul saying, you know what? I'm the worst of sinners. No one is too far away. Risk takers are the one who had a maybe and then took a risk. Maybe you're feeling that, hey, this whole thing about Christianity is really too different. Love, grace, mercy, forgiving people, uh, 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 extending grace to other people. This just feels a little bit different. It feels good, but it feels a little bit different. Then can I encourage you with this? Well, think about the Duran. Okay, huh? Duran? Yes, <laughs> think about the Duran. All right, the king of fruits. Uh, some of you may disagree. Uh, I grew up as a young kid, not liking durian at all. all right? My dad is a lover of durian. He will buy durians back home. And then the moment he brings the durian in, wow, I'm running away already. All right? So while growing up as a kid, my dad brings durian back home and I'm running about and my dad will grab me. All right? And then he takes the durian, one durian, and then he will try to force it into my mouth. Well, today, well, I can actually take a case against him. Child abuse. All right? But, you know, he, he, I mean, he, dis, he does that lovingly because he knows durian is nice. And then he will, he will smear it all over my mouth. And in the midst, I know in the midst of many times I struggled, one day, the durian went into my mouth. And I tasted it. And wow, it really is good. You know, and since that day, I love durians. I eat durians. I eat durians my dad. And we ate so much durians until we kind of got to hold back ourselves because, you no know, durians is so good that it will actually cause you to expand. <laughs> Alright, so what's this thing about durians? You feel that this thing about Christianity is so different, it feels good, I'm not too sure. My encouragement is this, come and try and see. You got to try and see for yourself as compared to saying that, hey, I, I see it from afar and I don't think it's so great for me, I'm not going to try it. Psalm 34, it says this, taste and see that the Lord is good. Come and taste and see, try it for yourself that God is good, the goodness of God. That is a risk taker. All right, you don't feel you're ever too far. Don't feel that this is too different. Try and see for yourself. Hey, Mark, durian is not the best example. You should pick a better fruit. Well, the reality is this. Come and try. Taste it for yourself. You feel that, hey, this is not it for me. Then it's all right. You can always still walk away. But will you be a risk taker? Number three is this about being risk takers. The Magi were foreigners. This is a foreign land. This is a foreign culture. They were total foreigners. I don't fit 
into this culture. I don't fit into this family. Galatians 4, right? Reading these verses once again, it talks about the fullness of time had come. God sent His Son, born of woman under the law to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Now in the context then, in the Roman world, adoption was something that was a significant and common practice, right? Because in those days, if you do not have a son, your inheritance cannot be passed on to anyone else. Today, of course, we can write a will and then our inheritance can go to anyone whom, whom is the, the name is on your, on your will. Right? If you're wondering, hey, I'm not sure who to pass all my wealth and inheritance to, well, my name Mark is spelled with a K, not a C. Right? Anyway, just joking. Right? Adoption. Right? And that's why in the Roman world then, right, if people didn't have sons, they would ad ad adopt sons right? so they can, they can pass on their wealth and inheritance to the son. All right, and this is not uh, adoption those days were taken not with infants, but likely uh, a child that's a bit older or may maybe even into adults. Adoption as sons. All right, and the adoptee, notice this, number one is this, the moment someone is adopted, all their debts are cancelled. They will receive a new name and then they're also entitled to all the rights and the benefits of a son. The craziest thing is this, right? If you're an adopted son, you can never be disowned anymore. It can never be reversed. A father can disown, in those days, his natural-born son, but not an adopted son. You know, you're familiar with this movie called Ben-Hur. It's the picture of Galatians 4, actually. Or the picture of, of, of God wanting to adopt us as sons, children of God. Or Judah or Ben-Hur was adopted by a Roman commander. And the moment after he was adopted, he was pardoned for his crimes. That's cancer. He got a new name and he have all the rights of a son. And Ben-Hur says this, I have now a new life, a new home, a new family, a new father. Risk takers. In this Christmas, will you be a risk taker? You maybe have a maybe. Well, take a risk. Hey, this is too far. Hey, don't find that it's too far. Take a risk. Too different. Take a risk. Too foreign. Take a risk. Well, in summary, they are losers, they are hopers, and they are risk takers. Will you be a loser? Will you be a hoper? Will you be a risk taker? It's all up to you. Right, the losers are focused on the wrong things. The hopers got to experience God who is a promise keeper. God of one who is about perfect or complete timing. The one who continue to hold on to hope in God. The risk takers, well, are the ones that say he's not too far away, not too different, not too foreign. And they receive the adoption as sons. In closing, if you have your wafer and your cup with you, well, it's because of what Jesus has done for us that we can be adopted into the family of God. And so Father, I just pray, even today, we give you thanks for your body broken for us, Jesus, for your blood shed for our sins, that even as we receive you, we know, we know that we can continue to put our hope in you, to experience you as a God of perfect time, as a God who is a promise keeper. And most of all, Lord, we know that we can come before you and call you Father because we are your child. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for listening to the Every Nation Singapore podcast. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. For more information, visit everynation.org.sg.